Welcome to a nightmare in stereo. A podcast for horror movie review. Now, here are your hosts, Juan and Norma. Smash. Smash. At least someone's being smashed. I don't have anything to say about that. Yeah, it's okay. I don't expect you to. Cool. Welcome back to A Nightmare in Stereo, everyone. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Are, are you okay? I'll be fine. Sure? Yes. You'll get smashed another day, don't worry. Hopefully. <laughs> so talk to us. What happened last week? Last week we watched Insidious, a boy that wanders into the further and now all the spirits want to go and smash his empty vessel. We rate this a 7 out of 10, and here's a few things we learned from the film. Number 1. Patrick Wilson starred as a child predator in Hard Candy. His co-star, Ellen Page, holds him hostage and tries to castrate him. Why? Check it out, it's not the type of movie we would normally review, but I cannot emphasize how good it truly is. Seriously, go watch it. It concerns me that Patrick Wilson is starting as a child predator and that's when you started finding him attractive. No, not really. Not because of mm-hmm. the of the role he's playing, it's just his physique. Okay. He's hot. He's hot, hot. Okay. You're into those pedos? Speedos? No, pedos, pedophiles. Speedos? <sighs> okay, continue. Ethan Hawke was actually considered for the role of Josh Lambert, but he actually turned it down. I think he would have also done great. I loved him in The Taken. Nah. You don't even know. You don't even know who Ethan Hawke is, so let's not even go there. <laughs> okay. And number three, finally, according to Wikipedia, astral projection is a term used in esotericism. 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 Blah. To describe an intentional out-of-body experience that assumes the existence of a soul or consciousness called an astral body. This is separate from the physical body and capable of traveling outside and throughout the universe. Have you tried this? Um, not yet. I have not. I feel like I should though. I met someone who swore by it. Who? I don't want to give names. And they actually said it worked? I don't think they were ever successful, but they were going into certain classes to learn from it how high were they Ugh, I, don't, I don't know i don't know there you go i rest my case <laughs> so today talk about our film today and give us the deets so today we're actually going to be talking about the void one of those indie horror movies i loved it wait until the notes it is directed by steven kostansky and Jeremy Giles Pie? Gillespie. 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 It is released, or it was released on September 22nd, 2016. The budget for this movie was about 82,000, and the box office for this movie was 149,000. It it did good. It did good for, for an indie movie. For the budget, yeah. Yeah. It is starring Aaron Poole, Kenneth Walsh, Daniel Feathers, Kathleen Monroe, and Ellen Wong. And it is available free through Tubi, Shutter, AMC Plus, and rent or buy through Vudu, Amazon, YouTube, Google Play, and iTunes. 
Nice. And like always, we're gonna do the synopsis. So Norma, take it away. The movie starts almost immediately. There's like no room for buildup. And we have James running away from gunshots. Right behind him are two other guys, Vincent and Sean, and they shoot and burn a girl. We now see Daniel, a cop that is avoiding any calls as best as he can, but he actually stumbles upon James. James is badly injured and he decides to take him to the nearest hospital where he is received by Allison and Beverly. As they take James away, Daniel talks to those in the waiting room. Here we meet Maggie and her grandfather, Ben. They say Maggie might be having her baby soon. Ben says he's grateful that the hospital stayed open after the fire because he wouldn't be able to afford driving to the city. Suddenly, some commotion is heard and it's James hesitating to be treated. Beverly and Allison are holding him down while Dr. Powell sedates him. We see a glimpse of how complicated the relationship between Daniel and Allison is, and based on what Dr. Powell said, it seems like it all started after the loss of their newborn. So apparently, Daniel and Allison are husband and wife. He tells Daniel, you know, just be gentle. She's still coming to terms with what happened. Next scene, we have Daniel walking around and he finds Beverly stabbing the Robinson kid, which is one of the patients that was in the hospital. Obviously, she probably murdered him. She was like just pulling the blade out of his eyes. She probably. seemed to be. Yeah, he's probably dead. No, no, no. He's for sure fucking dead. <laughs> um, so she seemed to be under some sort of drug or something because she peeled her face off and she told Daniel, This isn't my face. It's not me. Can you help me? And then, of Bad course, thoughts. she. Right, Flacco. <laughs> Obviously, she charges at Daniel, but he shoots and kills her. The staff comes running to check on what was the cause for the gunshots, and Daniel explains what happened, and he tries to step away to call it in. Allison tries to help him cope with what just happened, but he steps away and goes to the bathroom where he throws up and passes out. Dr. Powell and Allison help Daniel to wake up, and they tell him there's a state trooper here for James. Maybe you can talk to him. They try to encourage him into taking it easy, perhaps checking into a room so we can, you know, help you out. But Daniel just wants to get this over with. Daniel um, meets Mitchell in the hallway and they talk about what happened. Mitchell says he believes James might have given something to Beverly because he has a long story of drug priors and left a bloody scene up north in where he was picked up. He cuffed him to his bed just in case. Allison says, you know, I don't think he gave anything to Beverly because he's been out cold for a while. And Mitchell, Mitchell just solves everything saying, well, I'm here now. I'll sort it out. Mm-hmm. And Daniel steps away to call his shooting in and he can't get a call through the phones. And he decides to go to his car, but is also unable to contact dispatch. While he's outside, Daniel finds someone wearing a white cult-like robe and he attacks Daniel with a knife. It actually penetrates Daniel's chest, but it manages to get the person off of him. And when he stands up, he sees that several other cult members are surrounding the building. He runs back to the hospital where he is treated for his wound and after stabilizing it, they notice that the people in robes surrounded the entire place. James starts screaming, and when they come to their re- to his rescue, they see a creature that is basically just using Beverly as a puppet and is trying to eat James. They save James, and they lock the creature in the room. As Daniel tries to come up with an ex- escape plan, Sean and Vincent walk into the hospital, and then James recognizes them, so he just decides to grab Maggie as a hostage. 
Dr. Powell. He's trying to stabilize everything and get everything under control by saving Maggie, but ends up being killed by James. As all this commotion takes place, Beverly, or this puppet master, grabs Mitchell and takes him away and eats him. Sean and Vincent come to help Daniel and save Mitchell, but they actually just, you know, end up shooting and chopping this creature until it no longer moves. Yeah, I really thought Mitchell was going to be a large... I thought that he was going to have a larger role than what he actually had. Oh, no. He was literally... I don't... Well, I mean, I guess to a point he was necessary, but he had little to no place in this movie. Yeah, he was in and out in like five minutes. Literally. Um, so going back to the scene where Dr. Powell died, because he died, and Vincent wants... Well, wait. Back to the scene, Dr. Powell is dead, and Vincent want, wants James. Daniel is trying to get everything under control, but Vincent tells them there's no way they can do that. They decided to put the remains of Beverly outside because Daniel says, you know what, all I know is that that thing came back from the dead, and I don't want to be here when she does that again. Mm-hmm. So they put whatever they could of Beverly... On a, on a stretcher, and then they just rolled it out in flames, going out on style. And a little gurney. Gurney, thank you. Yeah. Um, so Allison tells Daniel, you know, she needs to go to the supply room because she needs to start a cesarean. Otherwise, Maggie's baby could die. Daniel tells her, wait for me. Let me go ahead and convince Vincent and Sean to help me. So the plan is to go to his car, unlock his shotgun, and get some ammunition. Vincent and Sean were a little bit hesitant, but then he said, you know what, we have enough ammunition for you and me. I know you have zero bullets in you, so you can we can share. And he said, well, if you don't make it, I'm not going to save you. I'm just going to keep your shotgun. And Daniel was like, deal, let's do this. So they head out and they noticed that someone moved the car further away. No one stopped them anyway. So once in the car, Sean is bagging everything in the trunk. Vincent is out on the lookout and Daniel tries to unlock his shotgun. Vincent sees that one of the cult members and he tries to alert the guys, but Daniel is is taking longer than expected with his shotgun. Why? Just why? Why the fuck is he taking so goddamn long? It's locked. I know, but goddamn it. We spent like four minutes on or three minutes on that bullshit. Anyway... It looks like this cult member that Vincent was seeing was like some sort of distraction because another cult member was attacking Sean. So thankfully, Daniel finally unlocks the shotgun and kills this guy that was attacking Sean and they go back inside. Daniel finds out that Allison didn't wait as they agreed and he heads to the med room to find her. But once in the med room, She's not there. So they decide on packing several items and continue searching for Allison. As they keep walking around the hospital, Daniel hears a phone ringing and it's coming from the morgue. And it is Dr. Powell, the one calling. He said to understand how desperate loss can make you. And now he's going to help all of them. Vincent suggests that they speak to James because there are some pictures found in Dr. Powell's office that show that James might know what's going on. They go see James. James said it's Dr. Powell. He doesn't know how he came back from the dead. He just went to a pill house several days ago in where they were kept as hostages. They were drugging them and watching them have sex. They were dressed in robes and they, they did a lot of killing and sacrifices. All the necessary horniness. Again. Again. <laughs> So they decide to take James with them and go to the basement. They seem to have entered a different dimension since all the directions that Kim has given them 
are not what they see. They force James into leading and he says that, hey, I've seen this place before and it is full of things that look worse than nightmares. And I actually like that scene because it's like, no, 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 motherfucker, you're going first. Right. <laughs> say, we're not going to fucking risk ourselves. You're the junkie. You die first. Right. So further ahead, they find another door inside this room. They find several mutants that were basically Dr. Powell's experiments, playthings. Because there's one scene that Dr. Powell says like, hey, they are trying to kill themselves, but I won't let them. You know, they're my pets or something. And we see in one scene, one of them just smashing its head against like one of those uh, metal poles. Mm hmm. Ah, oh, that scene was so gross, but so It awesome. sounded so juicy. And yes, you are correct. They were like some sort of experiments from coming back from the dead. And they were the ones who actually started the fire in the hospital. Yeah, they just wanted to die. Right. But fucking Dr. Powell wouldn't let them. Right. So after seeing all the mutants, uh, Vincent basically tells them, hey, we're in hell. These things seem menacing and slowly try to approach them. But the boys fight their way out. While this happens, Maggie's labor starts getting complicated and Kim has no fucking clue what to do. Norma would say worst nurse ever, but uh, come on, she she's an intern. She's just starting. The worst. She's not that bad. She's horrible. She's trying. She's not even trying in this movie. She's trying. No. Give her a break. No. Okay, regardless. Uh, ben tells her to, you know, basically get your shit together. You're Maggie's only hope. But Maggie actually ends up killing her granddad, Ben. And then she tells Kim, it's time. She's bringing Dr. Powell's baby. Yes, Dr. Powell is Maggie's baby daddy. Oui. <laughs> I mean, hey, if, if that's what she likes. I fuck guess. It, I guess. Sugar baby. Sugar baby. <laughs> Literally. I mean, he is a doctor. And she is a lot younger, and she is having the baby. Hey, and you like uh, hard candy, so shush. Yeah, sugar baby. Okay. Um, Maggie basically tells Kim, don't worry, everything is about to change as she walks away with the cult members. Kim runs trying to hide, but the hospital is now full of all those cult members. Hmm. While this is happening, the boys are all forced into relieving their losses. Vincent relives the day that he lost his wife and unborn child, and Daniel relives Allison's unsuccessful delivery. Daniel notices this thing is no longer Allison and kills her, chopping her into pieces. And oh my god, all those fucking tentacles coming out of her. Hmm. It's so They so look hard. like beef bacon. Beef bacon? That's what they look like. Like little sausages? No, like beef bacon. It just looks like beef bacon. I don't know. No, it looks like little, like greenish sausages. I don't know. But the ones that are... Well, never mind. Let's just continue. <laughs> okay. So, Dr. Powell tells Daniel that he refuses to let death be the end. He defies God, and there are things much older than time that have blessed him. Um, basically, Dr. Powell is doing all this to try to keep his... Or try to bring back his dead daughter. And we'll learn a little bit more later on as well. Maggie then walks in and stabs Daniel and walks toward Dr. Powell's voice. Daniel sees how this new demonic-like Dr. Powell opens up a gate into another dimension. 
and how a creature rips through Maggie's body. And this creature is Dr. Powell's daughter. Ugh, nasty fucker. So she was reborn as a demonic octopus-like creature. Imagine like a, like a Cthulhu mixed with a gorilla. With tentacles. Yeah, that's that's why I said the Cthulhu part. Yeah. And like the face is like a baby skull, yeah. which makes it even more disturbing. Right. So imagine something people in hentai would masturbate to. I mean, I wouldn't masturbate to that. You wouldn't. It sounds like you. No. Would. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so vincent comes in and shoots it and the creature follows him to a separate room in which she attacks and kills him sean then throws a flare at it and it causes an explosion due to all the alcohol that vincent splashes on him and the creature he was like if i'm going down i'm taking this bitch with me Mm -hmm. with a knife still on his back daniel stands up and he approaches the new thing that dr powell is and he tries to chop him off with an axe, but Dr. Powell just chokes him and makes him beg for daddy. No, nice. but really, he tells him not to fight it. He can give Allison back, which is kind of ironic because he's also the one that fucking killed Allison. So like, what the fuck? Right. Basically, Dr. Powell, Powell tells him, uh, let go and you can be together. Daniel was like, no, nah, enough of this bullshit. He refuses to let go and he pushes Dr. Powell and himself into the abyss that the same Dr. Powell opened, and it closes as soon as they fall in. Dr. Powell's daughter, however, is still alive and is still fucking running after Sean. (laughs) It reminded me of In the Mouth of Madness when he's trying to escape that little uh, tunnel thing. Yes. Yeah, just like that, with the same creepy-ass monster. It looks just like it. Yeah. Luckily, though, Sean actually gets to escape and as soon as he escapes the dimension of that little basement thing actually closes trapping that monster behind it good ain't nobody got time for that ain't nobody got time for that (laughs) and i actually found it funny because i was thinking like oh imagine if now sean goes around the hospital to find kim and kim just kills him with the axe I thought that was gonna happen. I was highly disappointed it did it. Me too. So <laughs> Sean actually goes around the hospital and he finds Kim and Kim just lunges at him with the axe but doesn't kill him. And she just, you know, asks him like, hey, is it finally over? To which he just nods, yes. And the movie comes to its closing part with Daniel and Allison holding hands in this new dark abyss they call home. DM. That's it. It was a good movie. I liked it. I really enjoyed it. I think we're going to probably watch it after we finish recording um, because Anthony didn't watch it and I have a feeling this is something he's going to enjoy. The award goes to Kim and her terrible nursing skills. She's new. Give her a break. No. Dr. Powell reminds me of a great value version of Malcolm McDowell. Dude, for fucking real. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing first time I saw it. I had to do like a double or triple take. Like, wait, wait. Yeah. Malcolm? No. Because no. there's there's like there's something that, that you know it's not him for sure, but then you have to just double check. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It's the, it's the face of... The, it's that like ultra violence glimpse in the eye. Yes. I feel like it's the button nose. I don't know. <laughs> button nose. Okay. 
Okay, so the creature, the Dr. Powell's daughter, this creature thing, it reminds me of Smile from Hellboy 1. You remember that? Yeah. Hellhound. It reminds me it, of that one. It didn't to me. Like I told you, for me, it just looks like a mix between like a gorilla with like a Cthulhu-like face with like the tentacles and a baby skull. And I feel like this is another great example that you don't need a ridiculous budget to make a good movie, but also a great, great example of how good movies go underappreciated. I, Amen. again, love, adore, I well, I'm not going to say like I'm obsessed with it, but I am really glad that this movie made it into our lineup and that I had the opportunity to watch it because it is a gem and you have mm -hmm. to watch it. This movie also has a lot going on at once, so it is very important that you watch it in order to fully appreciate the entire story behind it. If we had done a scene-by-scene -scene synopsis of this episode, it would have easily taken more than an hour to record. For real? Yes. I don't have many notes on this, to be honest, but the good side to this is that I enjoyed it very much, as I mentioned before. I'm gonna rate it a 9 out of 10. No scare factor involved, I just had lots of fun watching it, and I insist that everyone else watches it. Do you have any notes? Yeah, I do. I'm actually really glad that you liked it because I didn't know how you were going to react to it. I liked it. I watched it, I want to say, three times um, last week and we're probably going to watch it tonight. Okay. Kudos. I'm actually happy then. Yeah. For me, like, what I really loved the most about the movie was the practical effects. Like, I keep saying it. Practical effects can make or break a horror movie. And this movie does it great. It's a low-budget movie, but it still shows a lot more practical effects than what we see nowadays. And it did it wonderfully with those monsters. Again, that scene with the motherfucker just smashing his head against the metal beam, mm -hmm. that was priceless. Plus, using the contortionist to do a little... Um, That's the like James that, Snatcher. <laughs> yeah, that, that backwards like dog run. Ah, oh, that was mm -hmm. so fucking good. Yes. I love it. I love it. And the funny part is that most of the budget went towards that, towards the creatures. Yeah. Yes. And it, it, it's fucking paid off. Like, how many settings does this movie have? We have the pill house from the intro. We the have woods. The, the woods. We have the hospital, which the let's basement. be honest, the hospital, they use like what? Four rooms max? Probably. It was a very tiny hospital. It was like an urgent care. Yeah. And the basement. And that's it. Mm-hmm. So location-wise, they didn't need a lot, and they made it work with what they had. Actor-wise, they had less than 10 total, mm -hmm. and it, it was enough. It was great. It was fucking great. I, I loved it. However, this movie's not perfect, let's be honest. How so? So after a while, you, you kind of know what's going to happen. Like, it's it sets itself up so good that you already kind of can tell what's going to happen next. It really doesn't leave you guessing that much. And I also find it funny how much Daniel just gets knocked out during this movie. <laughs> like, it's fucking ridiculous for everything. Like, I shot a guy. Puke. Pass out. But it's called shock, Juan. Okay, okay, okay. Someone punches me. Bam. Passed out. And that happens like two or three times. Well, I'll give you that. But at least when it comes to the shooting, it's called shock. <laughs> I don't fucking <sighs> care. He's a fucking cop. Oh, goodness. Uh, also, another thing that I have to point out is, why is this movie called The Void? Because of The Void After Death. No, they yeah. never even refer to it as The Void. Dr. Powell actually calls it The Abyss. But The Void and The Abyss are the same thing. 
then why the fuck couldn't you call it the abyss the only thing that i'm thinking is that the reason why they didn't call it the abyss was because you know there's already a 1989 sci-fi film that has the same name but if you were thinking about calling it the abyss and then just change it to the void at the last moment at least fucking redo the sin and just make dr powell say the void instead of the abyss i feel like you have too high too much of high expectations on an indie movie you already gave a lot of credit to okay but still come on the void the abyss just fucking get it straight mm, no i think you're being uh, rough on them i'm not being rough on them i'm just saying it would have been nice if someone fucking referred to it at least once as the void agree to you disagree can it, you can call it the, the abyss but you can also call it the void and i'll be happy it's like you know when someone's watching a movie and then somewhere along the movie uh, mentions the title of the movie okay that's what everything. i expected that's why i didn't get <laughs> all right and another thing if daniel pushed dr powell into the void or the abyss or whatever why the fuck is he just chilling at the end with Allison instead of being there with uh, Dr. Powell? I feel like this movie um, set up some tense at the end. Like there's going to be a second movie. No, there's not. They they already said. I know it. there's not, but I feel like that's the type of ending they went with. They didn't do a cut and dry ending. They went with a ending that gives you wanting more. Yeah, they, they really left off with a extremely open end right but still i'm not mad at it though i'm not either i'm just saying and uh i know i know you gave kim a lot of hate on this movie yeah you know as a horrible nurse and all that but did you know that ellen wong's first role was in scott pilgrim versus the world yeah it's in she like scott's girlfriend something like that the, the crazy yeah, one nice child. yeah yeah i you recognize know how old she is is she older than us Okay, so for Scott Pilgrim, she was supposed to be, what, 17? I don't know. I haven't seen that movie in, like, 15 years. Dude, it came in 2010. It hasn't been fucking 15 years. Feels like that. Okay, so <laughs> she was 25, playing a 17-year-old. Okay. She's now, like, 35, pushing on 36. That's not bad. Why do you keep making it sound like it's a horrible thing? I thought you I'm not saying it's a horrible thing. I'm just saying, like, damn, Chinese don't crack. She looked good. She looked good. Like, she looked straight up good. Still a horrible nurse. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing her age, yeah. Okay, fine. She She's a horrible nurse. Yeah. Crappy But one. you don't know if she's playing like a 20-year-old, 22-year-old or something like that. Mm? Eh. Mm? Ever thought of that? Tomato, tomato. Yeah. So, I'm going to rate this movie a 7 out of 10. I love how fun this movie is. Um, like Norma says, it doesn't have a lot of scares. Well, it could have scares for people that really don't watch horror movies, but it is an amazing film to watch just for the practical effects alone. So go out there if you want to watch a new or something fresh in the indie horror film genre. So go check it out. It's really fun. And I really want to see more like this in the future. It was really good. I highly recommend it. It was really good. Yeah. I'm glad it was in a lineup. I know I already said this, but it's just I have no other words to say. It was really that good. <laughs> okay. Next week, we see the struggle of a refugee couple that escapes the danger of their own country only to be hunted by something far worse. Next week, we review His House, a Netflix original, and I can't wait to see it because I've heard good things. And we're going to yes, talk about yes, it yes. here on A Nightmare in Stereo. Bye, guys. Bye.
Okay. He's hot. He's hot, hot. Okay.